Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st. Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd. Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th. Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 21, Medusa and the Gorgons. What a cool band name that would be. You and your band names. The Soggy Bottoms. Oh, God. Uh, Okay, fine. Sorry. Speaking of which, thanks for coming through with your gourds, people. It was a super fun Halloween week, and we were trading links and spooky stories, and you can find them all on Twitter and our Facebook. I know. We just love it when new listeners say hi to us on Twitter and Facebook and email. Um, Let's spread the love, people. How about this week? I have a challenge for you. Recommend spirits to one friend. Just one. One person. One person. One person. That's it. That's all we ask. The Amanda to your Julia. The snake hair to your Medusa. Okay, whatever you say. Moving on. We started a new audio extra mini series last week over on our Patreon. I flipped the script and I teach Julia about some of my favorite mythology related poems. It was weird, but like super fun. (laughs) Uh, If you want to share your own stories, your anecdotes, related reading, you can always email us at spiritspodcast at gmail.com. And a special thanks to our newest patron, Paul Sating, over at patreon.com slash spiritspodcast and our supporting producer level patron, Leanne Davis. Her beautiful, unique snowflake mermaid. Love it. We are also super happy guys to introduce to you our first sponsor we're so legit julia and and it's such a great sponsor it's really good central curios is a wand making business owned by aaron who's a spirits listener hello aaron thank you aaron every handmade wand that he makes it's real wood it's naturally finished and it's totally unique to the buyer every single one and what's super super cool is that in addition to having a beautiful gorgeous wand each one comes with a certificate of authenticity and has some really cool wand lore uh, built into it yeah it's, it's like the mythology of the wood and the wand and what it's feeling like you know all of that it's basically like going to olivander's every wand is unique has a personality and is made specifically for you. You should absolutely check out these gorgeous wands on Instagram at Central Curios. The link is going to be in the show notes. And to get one of your own... Or to order a holiday gift for your best friend. 
duly noted, Jules. You can send Aaron a message at sensualcurious.com. If you mention spirits in your email, you can get 10% off your custom wand order. And thank you so much, Aaron, for being our first sponsor. We love you. Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st, Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd, Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th, Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. Um, Just final thing, as a heads up, we do mention sexual assault in this episode, so take care if that is a sensitive subject for you. And now, Spirits Podcast, episode 21, Medusa and the Gorgons. So I've been thinking a lot about monsters lately Mm -hmm. and just sort of what constitutes a monster. Like, when does something become powerful enough that we begin to fear it regardless of how it got that power? And the first story that comes to mind, because you know me, I do love the Greeks. You do. um, Is the story of Medusa. So snake-haired lady. Yes. That's all I know. So settle back, Amanda. I'm going to tell you the story of Medusa and how she became a monster. I'm excited to hear that. And you know, Julie, that I love a good monster origin story. I know you do. I love the, like, anti-hero who used to be innocent or the, you know, villain who turns out to have human motivations because we all do. Yes. I'm I'm down for that. Okay. Um, I should note before we get started that this story is originally the uh, Ovid story. And there are other stories about how Medusa was born a monster and they're not nearly as interesting or in-depth or interesting to talk about. It's certainly not entertaining. We strive to bring you only the best. So Medusa. Mm -hmm. Medusa was originally a beautiful maiden. She had a bunch of lovers kind of psyche style where everyone was like lining up to win her favor. She was really, really beautiful. But the most notable part of her, she had this really beautiful blonde curly hair. Mm. Um, Like Ovid makes a point of talking about her hair. How notable it was. Yes. Yeah. I guess when there wasn't photography, you just had to be like, yo, bro. (laughs) There's this girl, <laughs> you know, like she's got some blonde hair, yeah, it's like super you hot. Really, you really had to like notice features about a person to, to discuss them in detail. Mm-hmm. So she was so beautiful that she attracted the attention of Poseidon, the sea god. Uh oh. Never a good thing. You don't want to attract the attention of gods, no matter how hot you are, I guess, and how nice a god they are. Or how legendary in bed or not they might be. Right. Uh, Psyche won out okay with Eros, but had to go through all of that shit. She had to go through some legendary shit. Right. Literally. It wasn't good. We have a legend about it now. Her journey was so crazy that we now tell these stories, but especially the sea god people. Like, have we not learned what a lovable fuckboy Maui was? Have we not learned how everyone Zeus is friends with apparently is like the most complicated person ever to like 
Also, there, you know, my dad told me once, out of nowhere, man, I never fall in love with a sailor. And I was like, oh, Brian, thanks, dad. <laughs> Good point, Brian. But OK, just, you know, just helpful life advice, but never fall in love with the sea god people. It's just a bad idea in general. So Poseidon, he decides to approach her. Uh, Medusa is... Question, is he dripping wet while he does this? I imagine so. Is he... I, I, I have this image of him as... I actually, I think this is the Little Mermaid. I'm getting confused. <laughs> Julie's just burying her face oh, in her no. hands. Not sure what's coming next. You never know with me. Anyway, I have an image of him as like half, as like a merman with a trident. He's not a That's merman. That's Little Mermaid, isn't it? Well, okay. So he looks like Triton from the Little Mermaid, except full human body. Oh, what is he? Like, does he live underwater? Yeah, he's is the it in ocean like, Is it in like guy. a squirrel girl from Spongebob style, like air pocket? Girl, I don't know. Not important to the story. Oh, okay, okay. I just, I really care about the logistics of undersea <laughs> cities. Uh, we'll talk about Atlantis sometime and we can discuss oh, that. Fuck, I love that movie. <laughs> okay, Poseidon approaches her. Okay. She's praying okay. in the temple of Athena. Awesome. Just what you do. You, you know, if we've taught you anything, listeners... You always pray to Athena. You always venerate Athena. We'll we'll re-examine that after this story happens. Oh wait, but who was the one who uh, who they said they were as beautiful as her Aphrodite? Yes. Oh yeah. No, a named Greek goddesses. Don't fuck with them. People. They're all a names except Hera and Hestia. Good. Venerate them. <laughs> um, Cover your bases. So she's praying in Athena's temple. Poseidon comes onto her. Mm-hmm. She denies him. Okay. He proceeds. To rape her on the altar. Uh, yeah, not not great. Not super awesome. You would think in this situation, Athena, who is a virgin goddess, mm-hmm. who is the goddess of war and wisdom, yeah. would be pissed at Poseidon for this. Yeah. She blames the situation on Medusa and blames her for desecrating her sanctuary. Okay, so some classic victim blaming. You know, it's this whole thing is like hardcore victim blaming. Not excusing it, but uh, we do have this template for understanding the behavior. You know, like we it's not like inexplicable. Like at least we kind of have a framework for saying, oh, this is the the kind of situation that's going on. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Um, So as punishment, Athena turns Medusa's beautiful hair, you know, the beautiful golden hair that everyone was such a fan of. I knew that shit was doomed the minute you said it. Uh, She turns it into living poisonous snakes. She also gives her this destructive power that anyone who looks directly at Medusa turns to stone. And is the idea like, oh, you like the attention of men, now see what that'll get you? Yeah. Cool. Super, I mean, not cool, but no, I get super it. victim blaming and gross as hell. Athena actually is so proud of the punishment that she gave Medusa. Uh, she uses Medusa's image on her breastplate armor mm. in order to strike fear into her enemies. So their mouths are open, fangs bared, and uh, their tongues are always sticking out. Okay. Um, interestingly, this is an image that's usually used to ward off evil and not just in Greece. Similar images are used in China on soldier shields. Really? Um, and in Hindu mythology, the goddess Kali, uh, who is a destruction goddess, mm-hmm. um, she is always shown with a protruding tongue and snakes in her head. That's badass. And and sort of the, the like open mouth, you know, tongue out. Is that that's just because it's scarier? I think it's because it's scarier, but also it's sort of in defiance and not the norm. Aww, so if you just had like a stony expression yeah. on someone's face, that wouldn't be nearly as intimidating as a sort oh, yeah. of crazed, no, weird head full expression. of snakes that could bite you at literally any moment or they're mid bite, you know, like I, I, love that. I love that too. And it's, it's really applicable too to the sort of like, you know, gaze 
turning someone to stone immediately when they see mm-hmm. you because like that snake is ready to strike at all times. Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing, uh, the Gorgon ha- was said to have this blood that could cure any disease or bring someone back from the dead. Mm. Um, but only if it was taken from the right side of the body. Huh. If it's taken from the left side of the body, it is a instant kill poison. Wow. Really just just 50-50 there. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, duality and all that. Right. Um, but also, I like the idea that these Gorgons can kill people instantly, both with their blood if they're dead. Right. Or if they're alive, people just get turned to stone. Yeah, I, I actually viewed it in a more pessimistic way, which is that the the kind of like goodness is locked within them. That, uh, you know, again, in the example of Medusa, like Athena, you know, created this like shell around her that's like literally impenetrable. You know, like anyone who comes near her, whether it's, you know, just a, a human being to have a relationship with or certainly in like a sexual or, or romantic manner, you know, like that is is impossible. And yet the the kind of like you know, metaphorical goodness of her heart and also this, you know, life giving blood um, is 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 locked. Like you can't get to it. I like that. That's really cool. I mean, it's tragic, but it was, yeah, it was a good uh, interpretation. Thanks. Meant to that. Thanks. Babe. Um, so historically, yes, historically Medusa and the Gorgons were worshiped by the Libyan Amazons. Whoa. Into that, right? Uh, she was considered a serpent goddess and associated with the destroyer face of a triple goddess, Anath, who is from a uh, North African religion. Oh, what do you mean by triple goddess? Uh, so in certain religions, uh, certain goddesses are considered triple goddesses. So they're the same goddess or a grouping of goddess who control the same concept, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, but different aspects of it. Oh, cool. So like the Morrigan, who is a war and death goddess in Celtic mythology, mm-hmm. uh, she covers different parts of her. The triple face uh, cover different aspects. So peaceful death, death by war, um, like a timely death. I don't know. Stuff yeah, like that. Cool. I'd have to, I'd have to look more into it. No, but. I like that. And also, I mean, this is the most obvious example, but the, the Greek, like kind of threefold conception of love, right. um, which I'm not going to try to name them. Cause last time I did that, <laughs> everyone, hot mess. everyone on Twitter was like, um, <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> if you know of other examples of the, of the three, you know, threefold manifold concept, let us know though. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, in Sanskrit, Medusa comes from the word medha, mm-hmm. which means sovereign female wisdom. Ah, uh, Sanskrit. So you always come through. <laughs> That's a really, really good line. They do. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's always some really good, um, when you're looking at Christian etymology and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, it means this in Greek. But when you do Sanskrit, it's so much better. I'm like, yes, it is. Correct. Especially that like that overlap of like Indo-European languages. Yeah. Like Persian, Arabic kind of, you know, what like uh, like proto languages. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing that that whole like fertile crescent of, yeah. of language. And especially if you're looking at like biblical stuff. Yeah. The, tr- the translation going from like Aramaic to Hebrew to Latin to Greek or whatever yeah. order it's supposed to be in. Through a mirror darkly. Yeah. It's just, it's a hot mess. Yeah. It's surprising that anyone got anything <laughs> remotely understandable from that book. When in doubt, go Sanskrit. 
pretty much. Sanskrit or bust. It's really interesting because Athena is viewing Medusa as like an errant woman, right? Like for people who might not be familiar with the phrase victim blaming, like it means, you know, instead of, um, you know, focusing your attention on a person who does something wrong, you instead blame the victim for, you know, dressing a certain way or being out a certain time or drinking, whatever. Um, but Athena, you know, she's using Medusa and the kind of newly created monster Medusa that Athena made as this like image to strike fear into the hearts of her enemies, right. um, which I think is fascinating because I think that she would, you know, just kind of cast off Medusa or say like, oh, you're not worthy or oh, you've done something bad. But instead, she almost loves the like terrible monster that Athena has created out of her particular version of what had happened to Medusa. Right. And I think that's such an interesting view. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the story, because I just want to give a little bit of background on Medusa. Yeah. Besides the story of how Medusa became a quote unquote monster. Yeah. um, She's well known for being murdered and beheaded by the demigod Perseus. Oh, God. Who was actually sent by Athena. Perseus had to stop the Kraken. Did you ever see... uh, the Clash of the Titans, movie? the really bad movie Clash of the Titans. No, I saw the terrible Percy Jackson. That's not the same. Thing. Not the same one. Okay, Percy, no. Percy Jackson <laughs> is named after Perseus. Okay, but okay. Yeah. I knew there were some association people. It wasn't just a slip of the tongue. Uh, no. In the story, Perseus is sent on this quest because he has to rescue this princess from the Kraken, mm-hmm. who is this crazy giant sea monster. I guess just all the sea monster classical things in one myth. <laughs> the the snake headed, the sea monster tentacles. It's all in the same place. Right. So his only weakness in the situation is by using uh, Medusa's face stone oh, glare to, to freeze the Kraken. Right. Mm. So that's what he ends up doing. Um, he actually is able to kill Medusa because Athena tells him how to kill her, which is to use a, a mirrored, mirror? a mirrored uh, shield so that he doesn't have to look directly at her and oh. then beheading her. Wow. Yeah. That is A, pretty smart tactically, and B, uh, that's awful. Like She's killed by the, the curse that was inflicted on yeah. her that she didn't ask for or deserve. It's not terrible. It's Athena just... is like, yo, let me engineer this little situation for you, Perseus, and then give you like the, you know, hot hint on how to beat it. Athena, you made the rules. That's like an older sibling being like, oh, I, I win at chess because I get to move whatever pieces I want. I say as an older sibling. <laughs> Did you do that a couple times? I don't think so. I don't, because my siblings are much more competitive than me. So I was like, oh, whatever, right, fine. Do whatever you want. Please, ultimately, Connor, just don't like mess up or or hurt yourself with a knife. Interestingly, when Perseus beheads Medusa, uh, some of her blood falls to the floor Mm -hmm. and out of the blood. Like like what happens when you behead someone. Right. Uh, But out of the blood springs forth two creatures. I thought you were going to say baby snakes. I really wanted baby snakes. Well, actually, so it's the winged horse Pegasus (gasps) and a winged boar named Kyrosaur. Whoa. Winged boar? Yeah. That's some next level shit. That's some Hogwarts shit right there. Okay, okay, okay. Recover, man. I love, I love the like highly undignified image of like a farm pig with wings. I know it's not what a boar is, especially in classical Greece. Like a boar is like a terrifying forest creature. Yeah. But I just, I'm picturing like, like grown up. What is the little pig? Not little Winkle. It's a little Winkle. (laughs) No, the one that dies in Charlotte's Web. Oh, Wilbur? Abner. Wilbur? Wilbur. Wilbur. There's also Lil Abner. That's a thing, too. I thought Lil Abner was a kid. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I don't <laughs> it know. It doesn't matter. Who knows? Uh, anyway, 
I just find that image funny. But that's awesome. We love, everyone loves Pegasus. Yeah, but the only reason Pegasus exists is because Medusa got killed by a dude bro. Uh, yeah, and like we could read into this metaphor, you know, Poseidon's transgression, right? And like, and like feeling as if he has ownership over a woman's body, Medusa's mm-hmm. body, um, you know, using her as a, as an unconsenting vehicle to birth Pegasus into the world. Well, like that actually, was his intention. Literally, Ovid talks about how these creatures are the children that she never bore for Poseidon. Wow. So good call there. Ovid, Ovid, you know, you're okay, Ovid. You're okay. So, um... So it's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> in the story, so Ovid has Perseus tell the story of uh, Medusa in the story of Perseus. Yeah. Um, and when he's telling the story... Oh, in his own story. Yes, in his okay. own story. He tells the story, and he, as he's telling the story, makes it very clear that Athena, what Athena did was just and righteous and good by turning Medusa of into. He's, he's her fucking lackey. Yeah, it's it's such like favoritism. The yeah. god, the Greek gods had such favoritism that they literally picked sides during the Trojan War. Not only did they invent democracy, they invented nepotism. Yes, pretty much. I do appreciate that Medusa's story lives on, even if the the kind of you know lens on things that Perseus put on of being Athena's, you know, Athena's lackey. Um, at least we know who, who Medusa was, you know? Yeah. So Medusa was considered a Gorgon. Do you know what a Gorgon is? I have some stone sculpture association in my head. That's okay. it. Uh, so to the Greeks, Gorgons were always female creatures. Their name came from the word Gorgos, which means dreadful. Okay. Um, ironically, Medusa's name comes from the word Median, which means to protect or rule over. Uh, like City of Medea? Yeah. But um, M-E-D-E-I-N. Uh, sounds like a, I don't know, classical Greek, but that seems like a, a language, you know, riffing type. Yeah, that seems suffix legit. thing. Um, so I'm a linguist. <laughs> <laughs> the Gorgons uh, always have the same attributes. Uh, sometimes the specifics change, but the attributes that they always have are that they always have the hair made of the living venomous snakes. So question before you continue. Was Medea the first one and like all the other ones after that were sort of like based on her image? Or is this like a thing Athena did, like a genre of Athena? No. So um, the Gorgons, the Gorgons existed before the Medusa story. Oh, okay. Chronologically, historically. Yep. Um, so the Gorgons were these group of venomous snake-haired women. Yeah, so like that was a thing before it was done to, to yes, Medusa. Yes, and they could always turn people into stone. Traditionally, there are three Gorgons in uh, Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Medusa is obviously one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Steno and Urale. Mm-hmm. Um, the two, Steno and Urale, they are immortal, and Medusa obviously is not. Mm-hmm. Um, despite their monstrous appearance, they're usually used to evoke protection. Sure. So their images are put on shields, armor, and buildings as a way of offering protection against evil. Huh. Which is really cool. That is really cool. And also now I'm sort of imagining Medusa as uh, a kind of bringer of justice against people who are trying to, like, fuck her over. You yeah. know, like like someone, almost like a, a person's going to mug you in the middle of the night, you turn, oh no, you're stoned now. You yeah. know, like, sort of doling out justice again with this unasked for and undeserved punishment that Athena inflicts on her. Yeah, I feel that. The Gorgon's 
image is usually associated with serpents and also associated with temples and oracles. Hmm. They're like kind of all knowing, all seeing right. thing. Um, something higher than what we understand to be huh. human, I guess. That's fascinating. Where do you think that association comes from? Um, I think it really has to do with the idea of both God involvement in human affairs. Right. Or vice versa. Yeah. Um, but also that protection element. So temples mm-hmm. always have a, a certain protection element. They're always overlooked by the gods. Yeah. And the oracles are that connection between the human world and the god world. Yeah. And like you don't know, right? like we think about, you know, God's protection, whether it's a contemporary idea or a historical idea. Um, you don't know when, where it's going to come from, what merits it, why and when God gets involved and when he or she doesn't, you know, like it's it's sort of an unknowable um, higher power type thing. So I see it. They are associated with sea deities because in classic Greek mythology, uh, Steno and Urale are both daughters of Sato, the sea monster, and her brother-husband, Forceus. I love that by now I'm like, brother-husband, it's brother a thing. Husband. It's a thing. <laughs> yep. uh, also, let's be honest, snakes are totally sea creatures that someone allowed into the air. <laughs> like, snakes don't belong here. You are wormy. You are slimy. You have no limbs. <laughs> Snakes you have tails. You never, you have you never long, held a snake, Amanda? Your whole... Uh, no, I, I mean, they just... They look as if they should slime. Okay. They I don't, don't know. Go. They're nice and smooth. They, they're like a... They're like a sea worm that is dry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good description. Spirits Podcast. <laughs> Hashtag Spirits Podcast. So the Gorgons in art and engravings and anything that is... That kind of coincides with the Greek era. Mm-hmm. Um, they are shown with their mouths open, fangs bared, because they had either like serpent teeth mm-hmm. or boar husks, which is kind of cool. I'm into that. I, I actually love the idea of a snake with a boar tusk. I don't know where they would anchor. Like snakes don't have cheeks, but like, like you know, like cheek. Yeah, I, don't know. I feel you. That's cute, know. though. It is cute. Um, oh, I found these earrings on Etsy the other day that are 3D printed animal skulls. Ooh, yeah, like that, like from ag- like from actual skulls, um, like historical, whatever. And and one of them was a, like a, an open mouthed velociraptor skull. Ooh, earrings. That's cool. So cool. Find the show notes. Link in the show notes. There may be some poetic justice though in in her rage becoming legendary. She didn't ask for that kind of life and didn't ask for that kind of death. But I think the fact that she created a a model for female rage gave us a face, gave us a name, you know, had that sort of inspiring, you know, in a certain way, example of what you can do where you you turn men to stone, like instead of being a or, you know, anyone, but instead of being a sort of like constant vulnerable target where, I mean, this happens all the time, like walk down the street, you see someone coming at you, you think like, okay, how would I defend myself if they were to hit me or, you know, kind of a, a target for verbal advances that you didn't ask for, whatever the case. The fact that I can sort of turn on a laser beam with my eyes and and turn a would-be or an actual assailant to stone, like, that's pretty badass. And again, even even if it wasn't intended in this way, um, I think I might want to view this myth as uh, an example or a way for women to really just turn the narrative complete 180. I agree with that. And I I think it's a little bit more inspiring and a little bit more hopeful if we look at it that way. Yeah. A little bit more empowering. You know, there's no right answer, right? Like 
it's uh it is pretty amazing like sometimes when we when we record these episodes i find myself thinking like wow you human beings like super advanced monkeys like we're telling the same stories that people told three thousand years ago or like you'll tell me a myth and i'll be like man i read a book about that last week you know just these these ideas over and over again um repeat and and it's almost overwhelming to think about historical ancestors as being so human. Like if you see, you know, graffiti on the walls of Pompeii, right? Or <laughs> or you see the things that people buried their parents and children with, like, you know, the, the tokens, these little like human um, reminders, they like hurt my heart, but, but you know, because In it's, a good way, it's so, right. Cause it's, it's so, um, so intense and so relatable. It's that human experience. It's what makes mythology so amazing and so relatable is because no matter where you are in the world, we're telling the same stories, we're living the same experiences. The cultures might be different, but we as human beings are the same. And that's so cool. Yeah. And again, I mean, kind of returning to contemporary kind of news and politics, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, um, life would be a lot easier if we kind of approached strangers and situations and different cultures and different countries with that point of view. I don't know. Either way though, snake hair is pretty badass. Oh, so badass. So badass. I'd totally get like a snake hair haircut. I'd be legit. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.